Lord, I thank you for this time we have to get over your word, and, or under your word, I should say. Speak to us, Lord. You want to give us everything we need, Lord, to be effective witnesses, to reach the lost, to help us in our own walks, Lord. And I pray, Lord, this topic that in so many ways is so controversial, especially these days, Lord, you would just help us to come like little children, humbly in meekness to your word. Lord, help us to put away any preconceived ideas. Um, Lord, again, help us just come um, open just to hear from your word uh, what you want to say to us. Lord, I pray you'd create faith in this room to those that will listen to this teaching, Lord. And I'm believing, God, that you're going to help all of us, Lord, to have this precious gift that you've made available for us, Lord. So I thank you, God. Bless this talk. Anoint it. Let it accomplish what you desire it to accomplish. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you want, you can call this the gift of tongues. Um, again, it's a very controversial topic. It kind of always has been, but with the advent of the YouTube and the internet, it's just gotten so muddled and so confused. Um, and I really don't want to focus on that in the talk. I just really want to look at the word and hopefully help us to just see that it is for us today and it's, to me, plain in Scripture. Um, I don't need to convince myself. I'm not here to convince anybody. Um, I really just want to present what we believe here, what I've experienced in my own life um, that I know is very effective. So um, I want to start off by this because when you talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the gift in tongues, right away sometimes there's this sense of these people are better than these people. And so I want to help you with that, okay? Because the church at Corinth, and we're going to be looking at um, the book of Corinthians, the church at, church at Corinth, they were the most blessed church as far as the gifts were concerned, as far as the Holy Spirit working in the midst of a church. But yet, <laughs> this is what Paul says about them. He labeled the members at Corinth as carnal, as we see in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 through 4. He says, brethren, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you're still not able. So it's not past tense. He's speaking now. For you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I'm of Paul, and another, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? Three times he calls them carnal. So let's not let that be a stumbling block. So if you have the gift of tongues, it doesn't make you any more mature than anybody else. Actually, you might be very carnal still. The gifts do not make you super spiritual or deep in your relationship with the Lord. They are simply gifts. They are given through grace, a measure of grace that God gives to his people, which is not earned, right? Grace is not earned. It's given freely. So I want to make that clear in the beginning, because I know that's a struggle sometimes. Um, so is... Praying and speaking in tongues meant for Christians today. We know God sent his Holy Spirit and he gave the gift of praying and speaking in tongues to his disciples and others. We see it, right, in the book of Acts. But is it for everybody? 
is it for the church today still? Again, we basically have two, two sides to this question. One side believes they're meant for today. The other side believes they were only for a specific time in the Bible when the apostles and the disciples and others were ministering in the early church. So, people who argue that speaking in tongues is not for today um, and say that it was only for the people during the disciples' time, they will primarily use 1 Corinthians 13, verses 8 through 10, to support their stance. And, you know, I just have to say it's a very weak argument, extremely weak. But it says this there, love never fails, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. That's the key phrase there. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. So the phrase they'll typically focus on is when that which is perfect has come. And they say that that means the scriptures, which is just, I don't see how you get that from that. Um, most commentators, you read, but also, it, to me, it, the scripture kind of interprets itself when it says, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. What, what are we talking about here? We're talking about when we see Jesus. It's talking about when we finally leave this life and see him and we become like him. This is what it's talking about. There is a vast difference between our present situation and the one that's coming. Don't we still see dimly now? Well, one day we're going to see him face to face. And we're going to be like him. Praise the Lord. So nowhere else in Scripture are we led to believe that the gifts have ceased. Actually, we see in Scripture, it actually encourages us to believe that they have not ceased. We see that in Acts 2, verse 39, where it's talking about the promise. Now, again, we got to take this in context. Peter's describing about the prophecy of Joel, which includes what's happening in that whole chapter, them being baptized, the speaking tongues, everything that's going on in context. And he says, for this promise, or the promise, is to you, to your children, to all who are far off, as many as the Lord will call. So to me, that's saying it continues. So, with that, let's look at what, what is tongues? What's all the controversy about? Tongues or glossolalia is a foreign language. This is a good definition that I kind of pieced together um, from different sources. Tongues or glossolalia is a foreign language. And this is important. Either angelic or human spoken under the influence of the Holy Spirit, Spirit that the speaker doesn't understand. Yeah. Tongues or glossolalia is a foreign language, either angelic or human, spoken under the influence of the Holy Spirit that the speaker does not understand. So we see it first in Acts chapter 2, right? Before Jesus ascended to heaven, he told his disciples in Acts 1.8, you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in, in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And after this, he left and he ascended to heaven. And then when the day of Pentecost had come, in Acts 2, verses 3 and 4, after they were gathered together, it says, a mighty wind came. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So what scholars do is they take this because further on we, we, we hear that all the people there heard them speaking in their languages, in their dialects. So the scholars, the real smart people, take that and they say, well, see, tongues, really, it's, it's someone speaking a foreign language, and its purpose is so the disciples would be able to preach the gospel to other people of other languages, which we don't see at all in the book of Acts. Actually, when Peter gets up after this, he doesn't preach in tongues he preaches in Greek, which was the universal language of that day. And then in Acts 10 and Acts 19, where we see tongues again, it says in Acts 10.44, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. So they're not preaching the gospel. They're speaking in tongues. They're praising God. And then in Acts 19, verse 4, it says, uh, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Again, they're not preaching the gospel in another language. So we see in all these incidents that... Really what it was, it was an evidence that they had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's what it was. Filled, however you want to say it. Filled, baptized um, with the Holy Spirit. And part of that experience of being filled with the Spirit was speaking in another tongue that they did not understand. It was a supernatural manifestation. It was evidence of the Holy Spirit coming upon them. So <clears throat> it's not always a language known to men, which is, again, that, that other argument. Uh, and I've heard that before. Well, it, it's, it, it, it's just gibberish. You know, it should be a known language. But we see in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, he says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. So there's also a dialect of angels, but have not love, I become a sounding breath or a clanging cymbal. Okay, so it's not always a human language. It's also a heavenly language that no one knows. Okay, so I want to briefly cover, because there's really, what we see in the Bible, four different kinds of tongues found in the Bible. So the first one is basically when it is an actual foreign language that the person is speaking. And that's what we see in Acts 2. They heard them speaking in their own dialect. And I'm going to share this testimony. It's a present-day testimony of a pastor. This happened at the Dunamis Project at First Presbyterian Church in San Mateo, California. What happened was in the meeting... A woman stood up, she gave a public message in tongues, and it sounded like a Chinese dialect um, to me, the pastor recounting this. 
but I could not understand it fully. We were waiting for the interpretation when a Chinese man ran to the front of the church. He threw himself down. He started weeping and praying in his language. In Mandarin Chinese, he cried many times, yes, Jesus, yes, Jesus, I'll go, I'll go, I'll obey. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit to empower me to be your witness in that difficult place. Later, as they were debriefing, after that meeting, the Chinese brother told us he had been struggling with a call to return to China as an evangelist. He was not sure that this was really from Jesus, and he did not want to go there unless he was sure of God's guidance. When the message from the woman was given in his particular tongue, the gentleman told us it was in his grandmother's dialect. She had been saying, come over and help us. Please come over and help us. Come help us know the way of salvation. The giver of the message, the woman who spoke out in tongues, made it clear she could not speak Chinese, much less an uncommon dialect. And I'll just say, um, that actually happened with me one time praying for a guy at a conference we were at. Um, I forget even what I was praying for or whatever, but I do remember I didn't know what to pray. So, I, you know, it's like, it's okay if I pray in tongues? Absolutely. So I prayed in tongues over the guy, and his wife was standing there. And later, when we saw this couple again, uh, she remembered us, and she came up to me, and she said, oh, Oh, I, thank you, thank you so much. She said, that was such a beautiful prayer you prayed in Spanish. And my sisters here, my wife, can I speak Spanish? No, I am a gringo. Um, I cannot speak Spanish. But she heard Spanish. And she said it was a beautiful prayer. So, huh? Yeah, and she was standing next to me, and it wasn't Spanish. Yes, right. But the lady heard Spanish. So, it, uh, you know, it always makes me wonder in Acts, were they actually speaking it? Because all it says is the people heard them in their own language. So I don't know. I don't know. All I, I know is the disciples didn't know it, and the people heard it. And the same thing here. So that happens. So that's one way that God... We'll use that. The second one is speaking in tongues with interpretation. We see that in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 where Paul's dealing with the Corinthians because they're kind of out of control. So this type of tongues is found when a, a public message occurs in like a public gathering of the church given in the gift of tongues. We find this in this context that when this happens, there must be, should be, an interpretation. Um, because, you know, we don't want to quit, quench the gift of tongues, but we want to make sure that people are being encouraged and edified by what is being said, right? And that's what Paul was kind of dealing with. So when the gift of tongues is interpreted corporately, it functions kind of like prophecy. It's a word from God for the body to encourage and edify them. All don't have that gift. It's very clear um, because Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 12.10. When he's talking about really all the gifts, he says, to one's given working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in a church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? So again, in context... It's talking about the gift used in public, okay? And we're going to see this later. And it should be done properly. And we try to do that here because we want to try to follow Scripture. 
Um, and then, again, that's what Paul is dealing with. So in 1 Corinthians 14, 12, Paul's kind of helping them. He says, even so, you, you know, you're very zealous for spiritual gifts, but let it be done for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret it. And, you know, I'll just share again on my own personal testimony. I have this gift. And typically for me, the way it works and the way the Lord gave it to me is I'll get a phrase, I'll get something that keeps coming to me over and over again, and then I kind of sense something growing and rising in me, and it just comes out as tongues. And then that phrase or whatever it is God was giving to me, I begin to speak it out, and the Holy Spirit finishes it. I can't explain it to you. <laughs> it just happens. And there's times when someone else speaks in tongues, and it's like, I know what they're saying. I can't explain it to you. But again, I'll get phrases, bits of what they're, they're saying, and then I have to just have faith when I open my mouth that God's going to give me the words, and he does. And it's again, it's a learning process. It's something you have to, that's something you have to mature in and learn when to stop, where it's becomes you, and I've done that, and I knew it. I knew when I should have stopped, and I kept going, and then you, could t and you can tell the difference. You start, hmm, hmm, the, the, when the Holy Spirit's doing it, you're not humming and hollering. It just comes out, okay? Um, so, 1 Corinthians 14, 23, he also says again, now, if, if the whole church comes together in one place, and all speak with tongues, and there comes in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say you are out of your mind? <laughs> right? So down in verse 27, he says, if anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or three each in turn, and then let one interpret. But if there's no interpreter, let's keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and God. Now again, it's talking about this gift. All right? Now, there'll be times in this meeting where you might hear someone kind of under their breath, maybe during the worship time or whatever, but they're not shouting it out into the meeting like a word in tongues. And if, again, if we were all doing that, it'd look like a circus. And, and that's where we, we, we understand, for those that, that do speak in tongues, you can control it. You can control it. I've had to do that many times when I'm up here worshiping um, or I'm there worshiping. You can do it under your breath. Sometimes it'll come out, you know what I mean? But you want to be mindful of that. And we, we try as best we can here so there's not that confusion or someone coming in like, what is up with these people? We don't want to do that here. But that doesn't mean you're not going to hear it once in a while, in a low key, or in between songs when we're worshiping and everyone's kind of worshiping. That's different than when a word of tongues goes forth. It gets your attention. And it would be like everyone doing that out loud. And that's what he's talking about here, okay? All right, number three, uh, speaking in tongues as a form of praise. This form of gift is also known as singing in the Spirit. And this one would be for all, because this one kind of goes along with praying in the Spirit. And Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 14, 15. He says, what's the conclusion then? I'll pray with the Spirit. I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit. And I also will sing with the understanding. And so a lot of us, again, I know for myself during worship, find this very powerful when we're able to do this. And I'll just share one little story. When we were in Brazil, uh, we were being shown around. It was a, a charismatic Catholic, uh, so it wasn't the, the regular Catholic church. And it was all young people that were there seeking the Lord at this place, and they were kind of showing us around. And we were walking by, there was a little chapel 
in the basement in a window, and there was a few people in there, and, and all of a sudden we heard this sound. It sounded like angels singing. It was absolutely beautiful. And we're like, what is that? Remember that? What is that? And we look in the window, and there's just a few young people in there, and they were singing in tongues. It was absolutely heavenly, beautiful. Um, so, you know, I would encourage you, um, be open to that. But again, remember, it can be controlled. Okay, we're not going to all be, you know, out loud doing that in a worship service, but just kind of keeping it under the breath if you want to do that. I mean, I do it all the time, guys. You don't know, right? So we can control it. Okay, now lastly, this is the one I really want to focus on, is, is tongues as a prayer language. And, and I, I agree this should be for everybody. Um, we need it. It's, it's vital. It's so important. We saw some of the results of that in the video we watched. So this should be a part of every believer's life and part of receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God giving you a prayer language. Okay? But just remember, that doesn't make you a believer and it doesn't make you more mature. Okay? I just want to make sure... We're clear on that. So Paul writes uh, this phrase in Corinthians that one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. And he probably said this because Paul's personal experience in prayer, since he, he writes that he regularly spoke, he regularly prayed in tongues, and he actually wished everyone else did too, right? He actually said that. So it's really a way for us to intercede, to pray when there are no human words to pray. We don't know what to pray for. And so we see this notion suggested in Romans 8.26. So we're going to look at a couple of verses in Romans 8. We're going to really break them down to show how this actually works. Let me just uh, backtrack a little bit here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14.2, Paul says this. He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, to God. So again, what is that? That's prayer, right? I'm speaking to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit... He's speaking mysteries. Just, I don't know what I'm saying. It's a mystery to me, but it's not a mystery to God. So then in 1 Corinthians 14, 14, Paul is writing about praying in tongues, and he tells us when we pray in tongues, we don't understand what we're saying. It's meant for you to use between you and the Lord. So this should be, this is personal. This is between you and the Lord. This is in your own private prayer time, mostly, where you're going to be doing it. There will be other times when maybe you're praying with someone, when you just don't know what to pray. And, and I like to kind of ask people, is it okay if I pray for you in tongues? Most people are fine with that. And it's really just because I don't know what to pray. Do you mind if I just pray in the Spirit over you? Or if you're helping someone receive the gift. Uh, I remember Kenish, you know, when he was not getting it. And, and he would come up, I don't know how many times, and then one night he came up, and I just felt led, I need to pray in tongues over Ken. I don't know what to pray anymore for this guy. I don't know, Lord. I don't know what's going on here. And so I just got alongside of him, and I just started praying in tongues. And boom. He started praying in tongues. I don't know what I prayed, but obviously it was a good prayer. (laughs) The Spirit prayed it, right? Um, So it definitely enhances our prayer life. Okay, so now let's look at Romans 8, 
26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness or infirmities. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, this verse is very misunderstood, and it's because of the way it's translated. So that's why we're going to break it down a little bit. The word infirmities really is not plural. It shouldn't have been translated plural. It's actually a singular in the original text. Because we all have one specific weakness in prayer sometimes. And there's a colon introduced after the word infirmities, which kind of leads into an explanatory clause, which Paul tells us what that infirmity is, doesn't he? We don't know what we should pray as we ought. So he tells us right there in that verse, this is our problem. We don't know what to pray as we ought. What is God's perfect will? What does this person really need? I don't know. Or is necessary. So in James 4 and 1 John 5, we see a condition for prayer to be answered. You must ask, and it must be according to his will, right? James 4.2 says, you lust, you do not have, you murder, you covet, you cannot obtain, you fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. And that, a better way to say it is you miss the mark, you're not hitting the bullseye that you may spend it on your pleasures. And then in 1 John 5, verse 14, it says, this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we, he, we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So again, our infirmity at times is that we don't know what God's will is in some situations. So I want to inject here, or interject here, um, that we have scripture we can pray. So there are many things, and I always encourage people, like, pray scripture. That's the perfect will of God. So that's why I'm thankful we have the word of God, because it shows me what God's will is. But there are times where we just don't know. And I heard one pastor use an illustration, and um, he said he went into the hospital to pray for this 85-year-old woman. And these were people he grew up, they were Baptists, didn't believe in tongues or whatever. And they asked him to come pray for their grandma. And he said, I stood over her, you know, and she's frail and in pain. You know, and he's like, I don't know what to pray for. What do I pray? God heal her? God take her home? I don't know what this woman needs. So he asked them, is it okay if I pray for her in tongues? And so he did. Because he just, what do you do in a situation like that? God heal her? No, God take her home? I don't know. God, I don't know what your will is for this woman. And we all run into situations like that. I mean, we have situations now at the counseling center. I don't know what to pray. I've been praying a lot in tongues. God, you know what these people need. You know how this is going to happen, Lords. And, and so I just commit it. To prayer, praying in the Spirit, and trust God that he's going to do the impossible, the things I'm not thinking of, the things I don't understand or know that these people need. That's why, to me, it's such a precious gift. It really is. Um, so let's go on. The good news is this, when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for us or for others according to his will. Because it says the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now again, the translation kind of distorts what this is really saying here. Um, it, when it says the Spirit intercedes, what that means is he's hitting the bullseye. Okay, 
He's hitting the bullseye on behalf of the other person. The Holy Spirit helps us pray God's will for that situation, for that person. But now here's something that's important. With, where it says with groanings, that word is not in the original text, the word with. That would mean, just think about it, that the Holy Spirit intercedes with groanings for us, meaning the Holy Spirit doesn't have the words to pray. Really? So it's like the Holy Spirit standing over this woman going, ugh, I don't know. No, it's our groanings. And again, if you read Romans 8 in context, who's groaning? Creation, we're groaning. Holy Spirit's not groaning. Okay, so this doesn't mean the spirit produces these groanings, but that in these deep felt emotions that we have, when the soul is oppressed, when we're overwhelmed, he lends us assistance. He sustains us through prayer. So the phrase can be translated, the spirit greatly aids or supports us in those deep emotions, those intense feelings, those inward sighs that can't be expressed in language, but which he enables us to bear and which are understood by him who searches the hearts. And then for us should have been translated our. So the Holy Spirit makes intercession for our groanings. That's why it is important to understand, you know, the translation and what they're translating from. Because sometimes English words, they, they don't say exactly what the original text was saying. So this is important because it really helps us understand what this is really saying. So the Holy Spirit basically takes over when we're groaning, when there's no words. There's no words. We're just groaning inside. We're the ones groaning. So my spirit is praying, even though I don't understand. So, again, 1 Corinthians 14, 14, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. I'm speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it's a mystery. I've had times like that where I'm groaning, I'm under it, and I just begin to pray in the Spirit. And I don't know what I'm praying, but somehow I know I'm praying. And I know mountains are moving. I know God is doing something inside of me. I might not feel it, but I know it. Just like she said, it's not about this mountaintop feeling thing all the time. It's just a knowing. Because you know he has taken over. He has taken over where I end in this situation. And it's such a blessing. It really is. <clears throat> and then we're meeting that criteria of prayer in James in 1 John 5. We know we're praying. So let's read Romans 8, 26 and 27, the way it should have been translated. So I'm just going to read what I have here. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmity, for we don't know what we should pray for as is necessary. So the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf for our groanings, which cannot be expressed with words. And he who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit intercedes for us according to the will of God. So when we pray in tongues, again, really what we're doing is we're surrendering ourselves to the will of God. And that can be scary for some people. What if you're praying about a call on your life? And you don't know what God's will is. So you're praying in tongues, but... You're thinking maybe, well, what if he wants to send me to China? I don't know if I want that. What if that's his perfect will, right? Or, or <laughs> you're praying for a wife. And you're praying in tongues because you don't know what God's will is. 
But then you're thinking, what if it's will is for me not to have a wife now? I don't know if I want that. So really, when we're praying that way, we're surrendering ourselves to the will of God. We're trusting that whatever that will is, it's good. It's what's best. And isn't it interesting, the verse that follows this, that confirms that? Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. So I, I can take that and say, all right, I don't know what your will is, but I know it will work together for good for your purpose. So, Lord, I surrender to whatever you want in this situation. All right, so I'm going to kind of wrap things up here. You have to believe this gift is for you. If you want to receive it, you have to believe it's for you. You can't doubt, okay? We're told in Ephesians 6, 18, that we should pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So supplication in the spirit. It's talking about praying in the spirit. And then in Jude 1, verse 20, it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So we're told to do this in Scripture, and there's a reason for it. It builds us up. It helps our faith. It, it helps us to intercede for other people. So we're to be joined with the Holy Spirit in praying. It's him in us. You understand it's his spirit. It's the same spirit of adoption where it enables us to pray or cry out, Abba, Father. It's the same spirit. Yet, what does Paul say is most important? Love. Okay? Love. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And then in 1 Corinthians 16, 4, he says, do everything in love. You see, we're called to love. We're called to be an example to the world around us of people who love and serve one another. So any of the gifts... But even this one especially, let's make sure we're majoring on this, on love. But yet, don't neglect, right? Paul says, but yet, desire them. Desire them. And I want to encourage you or anyone listening, I know we got a lot of people sick and out tonight. Believe God that this is for you. This is something God wants you to have. So I think the way we're going to end is I just want to kind of lay out some practical application for this. Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock, and it will be open to you. And right, he gives the example, you know, what father, if a son asks for a fish, you know, he's going to give him a stone. How much more your heavenly Father is going to give the Holy Spirit if you ask him? Or any gift, right? The, the word tells us the Father loves to give good gifts to his children. But we have to believe that he wants to give us these gifts. And this is just one of them, really, but it's one of the most important because it, it helps us with that infirmity when we just don't know what to pray. I, I, I wish I could express to you better just how God has used this gift in my own life. And even in situations, and even lately with the church and what God's been doing in the church, as God has encouraged me to pray every day in tongues. And I've been doing it for a while now. 
and something's changing. Something's happening. I can't explain it, but, but really what I know is it's, it's, I'm praying right because I, I got out of my own head and what I think I need or the church needs or what needs to happen. And I know there's others that have been praying that way. So we have to believe God. And, and I want to say this as well. We need to come alongside one another. Um, the, the Lord impressed this on me. You know, I thought about Ken and, and different ones. Um, if anyone here is seeking this gift, you want this gift, um, I want to make available or maybe even assign somebody that will pray with you, come alongside with you and pray to receive that gift. Okay, so that's one way. And I want to say this, it doesn't look the same for everybody. It does not look the same. Again, that's where I kind of disagree a little bit because I've read countless testimonies of saints, you know, over the last 2,000 years. And it just looks different all the time. For some, it's in an altar. For some, it's home you know, in their, in their room or they're driving the car. I remember Francis Chan who was praying, you know, for this gift for I don't know how long and he just wasn't coming, wasn't coming and he was on the phone one day with a guy and all of a sudden he started speaking in tongues. I don't, I don't understand it. Should we believe right now? Absolutely. There is no reason why we shouldn't right now. But sometimes there is a hindrance. Sometimes we're in our head. Sometimes we're doubting, and that will block you. Sometimes we don't want to look foolish. Now, I'm not opening my mouth. You know, and I've even said that. Like, if God wants me to do it, he'll make me do it. No, we have to cooperate sometimes. Again, it's different. Looks different for different ones. So don't get hung up on that, okay? So you need to cooperate. You need to become like a little child. So I want to give some practical application to those who already pray in tongues, okay? You need to incorporate it in your daily prayer life. Anyone listen, and I know there's people, they've gotten it and they've stopped. Either doubt comes in, oh, is this real? Is this me? Or whatever, just like Jackie Pollinger shared. I've even struggled with that at times. Because it's, I'll be honest, sometimes it feels weird. Well, you don't feel anything, and you start thinking, is this me or whatever? And you, you, it's where faith comes in. You have to just trust it is the Lord. That doubt's always going to try and come in. And so if you have this gift, Use it. You need to start. You the more you use it, the more fluid you'll get in it. And you know, First Thessalonians tells us to pray without ceasing. How do you do that? How do you do that? You pray in tongues. I do it all day. I walk my dog up the road. I pray in tongues for two miles. I get on my motorcycle. I can pray in tongues. I'm driving in my car. I can pray in tongues. I'm telling you, I do it all the time. I mean, I pray in English too, don't get me wrong, but after a while, you kind of run out. How do you sit and pray straight for an hour or a half hour? How do you do that? In tongues? It's easy in tongues. It really is. The time flies by. And, and to me, I've probably prayed a lot better than I could have in English. So use it. Use your gift, okay? Um, now, if you have not received the gift, you need to ask for it. You need to start asking God for it. You need to start seeking, asking, seeking, and knocking for it. And, and then you need to believe you've received it, and you need to speak out in faith. That's key. Um, I was at a service which Jackie Pollinger, she came one time to speak at a Pure Life conference years ago. And I went down for prayer. And when they prayed for me, um, I got like 10 languages came out of me. And I couldn't stop for like an hour. 
I was, I was there a long time. I could not stop. And I go from one line, and they were distinct, different dialects. And it, while it's happening, I'm like, what in the world is going on? So your brain's still working. And again, it could be like, what is this? I don't understand this. But I'll tell you what, after that, God has used that to help me. And there's, there are times it just comes out different. And I know it's a different language. I don't understand it. So I want to encourage you all. My heart is like Paul's heart. I wish you all could pray in tongues. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to close. I'm going to pray. And we'll have a time of prayer, okay? If anyone wants to come down for prayer, I want you to come down. And, and what I want you to do, others, that you have the gift, I want you to come alongside one person. And we're going to do this quietly, and we're going to pray. Um, and if it's okay for those that come down, um, we're going to pray in tongues with you. And, and you just believe God and, and just open your mouth and just start speaking. And then trust the Lord to do the rest, okay? But I'm believing um, God's going to work in our hearts. And anyone listening, again, I know there's not a lot here, but um, please come talk to us. We want to help everyone in this body have everything God has for you. So I want to encourage you um, to just seek out people that will pray with you and hold faith with you. So Lord, I thank you for this precious gift. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. I thank you, God, for what you're doing in this body, Lord. And I do pray, God, that you would stir up our hearts to believe you for more. I pray for any, Lord, they're just confused, Lord, they've... Listen to all the different arguments. God, help them, Lord, to just come as children, Lord, just to trust you, Lord, God, and, and just to receive what you're wanting to give to them, Lord. So, God, we just commit this to you. You're the one. You're the one who baptizes. You're the one who gives gifts to your children, Lord. It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with you, Lord. So, God, it's really you we're coming to, Lord. Jesus is the baptizer. He's the one. So as you come, come to Jesus. It's, you're not, it's not, oh, if this one prays for me or that one. It's Jesus. When you go home, get, get under Jesus and look to Jesus to give you what you're asking for because he's the one who baptized. So, Lord... Just bless our time now, Lord. I, I, I'm just going to dismiss us, Lord. But any that want to stay and pray, you're welcome to come to this altar, and we'll pray with you tonight. So God, thank you, Lord. Just have your way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.